episode 78. And uh, I'm just wondering, did you see any of the national championship game last night, the basketball riff? You had North Carolina versus Kansas. I didn't. North Carolina blew a 15-point lead at half. Kansas was the favorite. And I think they were up 40 to 25 or something at the half. And then they end up losing, but that's not the story for me. Wow. The story for me is, have you ever heard of mattress Mac? I mean, why would you? I I haven't, I haven't either. So I'm just, I just shot in the dark. You ever heard of Mac? So Forbes tweeted out, uh, last night, mattress Mac that's $5.5 million on Kansas to win the NCAA championship. $5.5 million. So I wonder what happens at halftime with him because you're sitting there and you're down 15 points in the final game of the year the team that you bet on five and a half million dollars is down 15 points to another powerhouse in north carolina do you go out and double not maybe not double down but try and chip away at the losses at the loss because you're thinking at halftime you're down 15 this is not this is not a, a, a team like what, what's the, the, the one team that was beating them by six points or something like that. Uh, St. Uh, St. Peter's St. Peter's. And they came back and absolutely destroyed St. Peter's in the second half. This is different. This is North Carolina. This is no pushover team. This is the top team in the country. Do you go and push and make another bet to try and clean up some of that? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're willing to put 5.5 million down, don't you ride it out? But now he, this guy's known for being like a legendary gambler, right? So I guess I don't want to read this whole article to you, but he's a legendary sports gambler. He's a Texas furniture entrepreneur. That's what he does. Texas furniture entrepreneur. Okay. Yeah. 5.5. Selling a lot of end tables. <laughs> What did he, where did I write? Uh, he's, uh, I don't even want to get into this, trying to scan through this. I read the article last night, but by then I was, I was long gone, but anyway, so 5.5 million, the payout was like 10 point something. I think I can't remember what it was. 10 point something million. So he got lucky last night. Unbelievable. Insane. Anyway, you know, another, you know, another topic I, I, I want to bring something up and this is going to absolutely blow your mind. Is this off topic? This is, I, I love, off this topic. is off topic. This is not hockey related. Oh, I love um, it. Go. it might be, it might be a little bit hockey related, but not really once you understand what I'm going to say. And you're going to be shocked. There's you're a chance. Be, I may not even understand what you're going to say, but give it a shot. You're going to understand it, but you're going to gloat and you're going to look at me and you're going to start to, you know, put me down and make me feel like you usually do. <laughs> so okay. I'm driving my, uh, I'm driving my uh, son to school today. And, uh, I get in the car and you know how the music goes on right away with your iTunes. It's the same song every single time. My son looks at me, goes, dad, 
can you stop playing that song every single time we get in the car? Because it comes on automatically. And I look at him, you know, I'm just like, listen, zip it up and just enjoy the ride. Right. This is, this is my moment. But I, I, I sit there and I think to myself, yeah, I can't listen to this song one more time. I I'm thinking about erasing it, but here's what I do. I start clicking through my, just randomly clicking through the, the, my phone, all of a sudden, boom, song comes on. Nickelback. Oh yeah. Animal. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting there going, this is unbelievable. How do people hate Nickelback? How do people hate Nickelback? They literally, they, they're not a, a one hit wonder. They have multiple, multiple top hits that people to this day, 20 some 25 years later are literally no word for word. And I'm like, wow, I have been one of those haters just because I don't know, I read the paper and you know, what is it? Nick Kruger or whatever's Chad, Chad Kruger, Chet, as my brother would refer to him right yeah. to his face. My brother called yeah. him Chet. Yeah. Just like, you know, the hatred, I don't know why, but Maybe he's just arrogant or whatever, but uh, what a great band. I'm going to say it out loud for the first time in my entire life because I've always been on the side of Nickelback. I hate Nickelback. They're a bunch of douchebags, but why? I don't know. I don't know. They're they're just like a, they're they're a band that got a bad name, a bad rap. Um, Chad Kruger got a bad rap. And, uh, I've gone with it for like literally 25 years. And now I think I'm, uh, old enough and mature enough to say that I was wrong. Oh, this I, is, this is monumental. Yeah. This listen, is monumental like because I believe there are a lot of closet Nickelback fans out there. I think there are so many people that are afraid to say that they like Nickelback. And I don't know if it's because they're Canadian and they're a rock band or if it's, if it's they're Chad Roger's like blonde no, hair that like looked, a, made, looked like yeah. a ramen noodle bowl, like remember, did you ever hear that uh, the the commercial? They did a commercial about look at this photograph. I think it was for Google Pictures, and it might have been last year at the Super Bowl. And the lyric is, and it was something like, "My hair looks like a ramen bowl, a ramen noodle bowl, or something like that." I, like ramen yeah. noodles or something. I can't remember, but he was making fun of himself, but. I, I don't know either. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I don't know how people don't like Nickelback. Jay McKee said something to me once. I was at his house, and it was right before I actually went to a concert. Jay had a July 4th party at his place. This is way back. And Jeff and I were going to the concert, and we were asking. It was like in a couple of days. It was in July, obviously. And, and Jeff and I were like, hey, you guys want to come? We're going to Nickelback. We're going to Nickelback. And Jay's like, no, nah, I'm not a Nickelback guy. And I'm like, well, why not? He goes, Cause doesn't it sound like at the start of that song, like he's trying to crunch one out. He's like, photograph. He, says, he sounds like he's trying to squeeze out a crap. That's what McKee said to me. And ever since then, that's kind of skewed that song for me, but it never skewed my view of Nickelback. And then I met Chad Kroger, which, you know, I've told you this story a million times, but I'm just an unbelievable guy, huge hockey fan, like massive hockey fan. What so, happened to them? I don't understand. Like you look at the songs, go and look up Nickelback and they have tons and tons and tons of insanely good songs. Okay. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Um, wh what happened to them? What, what do you happened, mean what happened to the band? What happened to the band? 
well, they're still rocking and rolling. They had a they had a song come out. I mean, rocking and rolling. Yeah, I went to a concert of theirs maybe two or three years ago, uh, and they came out with this uh, new song. Um, I gotta look them up. I, I they they haven't had a ton come out over the last little bit. I, I can't remember their last album was uh, Feed the Machine. Uh, and that was in 2017. And their their big song on that was, well, I think Feed the Machine. Song on Fire was, I think, one of their one of their hit songs from that album. Um, I'll have to look that up. I'll have to look that up. But uh, they, they had uh, they had another album, No Fixed Address, in 2014. Uh, they had a song, Million Miles an Hour. I know that one, Edge of a Revolution. But then it's their earlier stuff that I think. I think everybody knows, but either way, I mean, that song animals is unbelievable on just acting like we're animals. Yeah. Just acting like, well, that's the one I was listening to. Right. Did you listen to that song? I sent you last week. I sent you a song. I texted you a song, um, in our chat. Um, that's a no, I might've, but I don't remember. Anyway, this is, this is a, I'll throw this one out there and then we'll get moving. Um, I sent you 17 going under by Sam Fender. Did I've you listen to it? No, uh, you never, probably did, not. You didn't listen to it. Did you? No. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll do it after. I'll I don't normally after, send but. songs that often. I sent that one. That's a good one. 17 well, listen, going under Sam Fender. I'll tell you this though. Um, there's a lot of people that, uh, that send me music, you know, just, you know, music of the day, you know, get it on YouTube, send a song. I don't listen to them. You, I'm going to tell you, I, I respect your music, uh, abilities. You're one of those guys, you're, you know, you're rain man of, uh, of movie quotes, but you're also <laughs> a hell of a guy when it comes to bands that I have never heard of. And, um, you, you find these bands that I've never heard of them that are really, truly fantastic. I so, do think I have a good ear for music. Yeah, you do. I will, I will pump my tire on that. I think I have a decent ear for music and I'll tell my Nickelback story another time when we met him it was but it was what a night my brother's fucking hey chad love the love the show chad chad looks at him he's like oh my name's chad anyway austin matthews you and elliot had a conversation about this yesterday about uh who's going to win the the rocket richard trophy matthews last night tied rick vive he had a hat trick and an assist against tampa bay i gotta ask man are the Leafs are the Leafs starting to turn a corner here? Are we going to see them maybe advance past a first round? I know it's regular season, but I mean they're beating all these really good teams. They thumped Florida, they thumped Boston, they they beat Tampa last night pretty easily. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sitting here starting to six, wonder if six two, yeah, that's a thumping. That's that's a complete beatdown of a a very good veteran powerhouse hockey team. Um. Tampa Bay to me, it's current. Uh, you know, I shouldn't even say they're concerning because they're 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 literally so good. I don't even know if they're just kind of like riding the rails just to kind of get into the playoffs. But uh, Toronto looked great last night again, and uh, you have to give them, you know, a pat on the back because you know usually usually I'm picking holes in in the major holes that they have in the team, and it's clearly clearly that you know, guys like Mitch, Mitch Marner and guys like Austin Matthews have taken their game to another level. Okay. And they're, they're, they're putting this team on their back. You have to add in 
Okay. Let's add in a Mark Giordano, who's a 37 year old veteran hockey player, former captain of two different, two different teams. He is a calming influence on the back end. Got absolutely walked the other night, by the way, but not a big deal. It happens to all of us. After this, you want to talk about getting walked. A lot of people are tweeting our show about Mac Weger and uh, Rasmus Dahlin. We'll talk about that in a minute because uh, yeah. Weger went right into the boards. And that that hurts. I don't know if it, if you have never done that out there and you're sitting and you're, you're looking at that play guy, you know, going right into the boards like that, that hurts. But anyway, go ahead with the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, you can pick holes before, but they seem to be solidifying in, in, in one major concern for the team was their back end. And, you know, now with, uh, you know, obviously Morgan Riley continuing 58 points, 58 points Morgan Riley has in 69 games, having a fantastic season, Um, you know, a TJ Brody and guys like uh, even, uh, you know, Timothy Lilligram, who is a former first round draft pick uh, a number of years ago, I think it was 2018, somewhere around there, but, um, 17th overall maybe 18th overall but he's he's had a nice uh he's had a nice little outing here and he's continuing to get better but when you insert a a player like mark giordano into the lineup he is just a veteran calming influence okay don't forget labushkin okay like no he's 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 good back there man he logged 19 minutes last night 19 and a half minutes he's a solid defender and Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin's coming back at, uh, off a uh, long injury that he's been out for, you know, probably I'd say a month or longer. And Jake Muzzin is a solid physical defender. And it's someone that is really going to help out solidify the, the, the back end. But I'll tell you this. The goaltending in Jack Campbell was fantastic last night. He made some incredible saves. I mean, big boy hockey saves that you need when you're playing against another elite hockey team. And I look at Jack Campbell and, you know, he's, uh, he was injured uh, for a little bit. He is now back. And you can see when you have top end goaltending, when you have a strong defense and when you have a super dynamic offense, it's going to be a really, really tough team to play against. Now, Am I, would I be betting on them? No, because they have not shown me in years past that they can get to the next level. And it's going to start with the top players. It's going to start with Austin Matthews. It's going to start with uh, Marner. These players need to elevate their game above and beyond what they're playing. And they need to have great solid defense, which, you know, with uh, Giordano pickup, he's, he's really calm that uh, back end. I wonder if their defense is better than we give it credit for. You know, Justin Hall, very good defenseman. Um, yeah, so Lilligren, uh, he's a Lilligren, solid uh, little raw. Six, uh, five six defenseman. Morgan Riley, Labushkin's a solid defender. Uh, Giordano, we know what he is. TJ Brody, I don't think gets nearly the right amount of respect around the league as he should. And then you're going to factor in a Muzzin. I wonder. And they have the goal scoring. I wonder if the Leafs, if, if maybe they're just, maybe people are, are critical for the past reasons and maybe not looking at the current situation and saying, hey, maybe they're better off than we think. 
Well, you have to show, you have to show it on a nightly basis that, you know, that, that they're doing the right things. And I don't think throughout the season, anyway, that's just my opinion. I don't think throughout the season that we've seen them be consistent in their play. They're up and down, they're all around and they have the offense. They're, you know, they're winning games seven, six and five, four. And the question is, you know, can, do they have the defense to, they're, they're, they're going to be fine throughout the, the, the regular season because they're so talented. Okay. They're so talented offensively, but can you win playoff games? Because the game be, it changes. The game becomes, you know, a different uh, animal when you go into the playoffs and can those top players elevate their game and can the defense core defend in front of the goaltender and can, can the goaltender give them games where He's shutting things down and giving them confidence. That's the question. And there's question marks in all of it because we haven't seen the goaltending. We haven't seen the defensive side of things. And we haven't seen Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and guys like that take this team to the next level, which is like past the first round of the playoffs. Did you see Wayne Simmons and Pat Maroon get 10 minute misconducts last night for talking to each other from the bench? They got thrown. They got thrown in the box for ten minutes. Pat Maroon commented on it after the game, and he basically said, "I guess it's not fun for the game anymore to watch guys chirping each other. Game's going in the opposite direction." I'm going to tell you something, man. This game is changing. It's changing and changing and changing and changing, and it's like it's it's like they don't want any bad blood or any hatred on the ice anymore. Like, I don't know if you saw the LA uh, Calgary highlights last night, there's scrum after scrum and, you know, like it's physical and nasty. And it's just, it's like, you know, they take these two guys, the only two real physical guys in the game and they throw them in the box for 10 minutes. Cause they're, they're talking to each other, going to the bench and then they're sitting on the bench yelling. And then the ref comes over, they have to come off the bench and go into the penalty box. Game's changing, man. It's, it's not, it's not good. It's not a good thing to see, you know, like I don't even know what to say about that. There is no altercation. There's chirping going to the bench. Once they get on their benches, they're still chirping each other. And these guys get two 10 minutes misconducts for what? Exactly. And clearly nothing too egregious was said or anything because otherwise there would have been a, a further penalty or further repercussion. I mean, if it's two guys, arguing and battling that are coming off the ice, let them fucking argue. That's great for the game. That's what people want to see. They want to see the the, the fights. Yeah. They want to see fights. They want to see teams hate each other, especially these two teams. These two teams are likely to match up in the first round of the playoffs. I want to see this. I want to see what's going to happen between Simmons and Maroon. The next time they step on the ice, stop interfering. The officials are ruining this game period. End of story. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to give me the old, oh, they got a tough job. They got a tough job. I'm sick of hearing that. Sick of hearing it. Enough is enough. I remember, you want to hear a story? I remember I was playing in Buff. I have no idea what year it was. I was sitting at the end of the bench. Like uh, I just come off and I was, uh, I was yelling at a guy and I was sitting at the, the end closest to center ice. So closest to their bench. And then there's that little space where, you know, the TV guys stand in between, whether it's a road guy or razor when they're at home. And, 
And then there was someone on the other side. I can't remember who it was against or who I was yelling at, but I was yelling and yelling and yelling nonstop. And I would not stop. You know, you've, you've played against me. You know what I'm like. I mean, like I was nonstop and the ref comes over and he, he says, he starts talking to me and, and he's like, you got to shut your mouth. I can't remember what he said, but he's like, you got to shut your mouth or you're going to the box for 10 or whatever. I'm giving you a game misconduct. And Lindy, Lindy, who loved when guys talked to other guys and loved when they chirped, Lindy came down and defended me. And he's like, what are you doing? That's, that's part of his job. That's part of his role. And he's like, I don't want to hear another word or you're getting a bench minor. And I'm just kind of like, holy shit, man. Like, like you're taking all the intensity out of the game. You're taking like, you're, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. I just sit and I think to myself, like are these refs, because they're run by the league, they're told what to do. They're told how to ref. They're under the gun. They're under scrutiny and under a microscope every single night with every move they make. And there's no, there's no room for them to operate on their own. You know, like I think, I think they're basically the referees ref out of fear, in my opinion almost like a fourth line player plays out of fear. That's how, how I view the referees. Okay. How do I deal with this? Um, I think the, I think the refs have a very difficult job. I think the the call that was made last night, listen, I think the call that was made last night, that ref needs to be suspended for a game. That's what I think. I think it's absolutely freaking ridiculous that these two guys chirping each other, tough customers that have been in the league a long time. You have, you have Simmons that's played almost a thousand games, right? You're going to throw him in the Simmons box. has played a thousand games, by okay, the way. Sorry. He's played over a thousand games. You're going to put this guy in the box a thousand games. This guy scored 30 goals or 27, 28 to 30 goals, like six, seven times in his career. I, it, to me, this, that ref should be suspended. I'm not kidding you. He should be brought in. He should have a conversation on a panel of other referees, head, head guys that are not on the, on the ice, but you, this is, this is egregious. This is something that is so ridiculous to me that why those players got, got 10 miss misconducts. You need the energy in the game because if they get on the ice, the next shift and they fight, you're going to have 20,000 people in Toronto standing, cheering their player on. I don't understand what's going on on that play. I do understand that the refs are trying to make the best decisions. They're human decisions. They're, but this, this is an error. This is an error. Let them go. They want to see passion. They want to see jam. You got, you got uh, Maroon, who has won two, three Stanley Cups, one with St. Louis, two with the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's realizing right now that maybe his team needs a little bit, bit of an emotional lift, okay? So he starts to get verbal. He starts to, you know, get things going. Hopefully, that'll spark his team. He gets put in the penalty box because he's chirping another guy on another bench. Just embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but you know what? Listen, we talked to Elliot Freeman and he said to us what, you know, the, the GMs went down, they had their, their meetings in Florida. What was the conversation about? Conversation was about officiating, right? Was one of them. One of the conversations was the officiating. Well, 
Don't look any further than this play right here. It's ridiculous. Anyway, we can move on from from that one. We can beat that up all day, but holy jumping, what a ridiculous call. Okay, did Brad Marchand get a penalty for that hit on peak? He did not. He did end up getting a penalty for something. Did you see, did you see the hit? Did you see Brad Marchand plant the hit on? I'm literally was, watching it right now. Yeah. Who is the young? Who is the it young was peak. there? I think he and, got a penalty. Andrew I think, Peak. I think Marshawn might have got a penalty for that. No, I don't. I don't think he did. There's no okay. way that you get a penalty for it. It's. It, it. I mean, it was a tough check. It was a stiff, tough check. And when you look at it, Brad Marchand did not hit uh, Andrew Peak's head. But once he laid the hit on Andrew Peak, Andrew Peak's head whipped back and hit the glass. That's why he got hurt. And I'm watching it right now. Um, You're looking at a star player, a super star player in this league, lay a body check like that. He, he is, think this is the rat. There's no, there's what, what's, what's dirty about it. I don't, I'm not saying it is dirty. I'm saying people think this is dirty. I don't understand. I mean, what I believe you're talking about, explain yourself. So we, we have an understanding of what you're seeing here. Well, the, so who, who is saying it's dirty? You're on Twitter reading on social media. People think that it's, it's dirty. I mean, listen, that, there are, there are Columbus blue jackets fans on Twitter. Those people are probably going to say it's dirty. This is not a dirty check. This is a good, stiff, clean body check. And it's an unfortunate that when the, when the, when the hit was made, okay, um, this, this, uh, this young guy, uh, Andrew Peake, had his head basically hit the glass. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. This is, this is a strong body check. People are saying right now that the puck that Andrew Peak, when he came down, kept the puck in and, and Brad Marchand finished his check. Was the puck gone? Well, you're not going to stop. Like, like everybody that watches these videos have the ability to stop, rewind, fast forward, rewind to see where the hit is, to see if he's hitting the head, where's the contact, everything. When you're playing the game of hockey, go and go and get a ticket down by a glass someday. If you have the money to spend all this crazy money to watch a game literally by the glass, it is unbelievable how fast it is. And you have to make decisions within seconds. And Brad Marchand goes to initiate and make a, a body body check and is it borderline? No, I think it's a really good stiff body check. And it's unfortunate that uh, the player got hurt, but I don't have any problem with it. And I look at it and it's like, it's Brad Marchand. This guy's an absolute stud for years and years and years. He has been producing goals and assists and has been one of the top point producers, top 10 guys for many, many, many years. I blame peak for that play. He could have played that differently. He didn't have to open his body up like that. I don't know why. Like I think a lot of these players these days, I don't think they're taught how to hit or receive hits or how to protect themselves on the ice. I, I believe that. I mean, I see the play. I think he there's makes. a lot less hitting. I think there's a lot less hitting. So you're kind of your guard. Your guard goes down. You know, you you play the game where um, Andrew Peak from from Columbus Blue Jackets 
goes in to keep the puck in. He probably does that in the last 10 games that he played and never got hit once. Here's the thing. He goes in on his 11th game, goes and keeps the puck in, and he gets a real stiff body check. His head whips back, hits the glass. He's down. He's injured. I mean, you have to protect yourself first and foremost. You have to protect yourself first and foremost. You have to know who you're on the ice against. You know, if it's Victor Olofsson, you know you're not going to get hit. So you're going to play the puck. If you're playing against Brad Marchand, who is literally nicknamed the rat, you might want to have your head up and understand that you're probably going to get hit. So it's understanding of who you're, who you're on the ice against. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Mackenzie Weger, a lot of people, one thing we didn't get to talk about yesterday, we just, I don't know, it was just simply overlooked, but how about, uh, I know he had a great game, Florida won, he had a goal and an assist, he's a great player. And by the way, you can tell him next time you talk to him, I love the uh, weather with weeks that he does on, uh, on, on his social videos. Have you seen these, the Florida Panthers throw them out every city he goes to? He talks yeah. about the weather for just a few minutes. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got a pretty good personality. He looks like you too, a little bit, like a little bit. I can see some resemblance. Uh, what side of the family is that on? My mom's side. So my mom's the oldest, um, oldest um, uh, child. And my uncle is the youngest. Hence the difference in age of uh, Mackenzie Weger and myself. So that makes but, sense. Yeah, listen, I mean, holy jumping. I'm going to tell you this. Did you and see I'm the play just, that I'm talking about when Darlene toe yes. dragged him at the? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he was trying I mean. to murder Darlene. Like, come on, he wanted to absolutely kill him. Yeah, listen. I mean, Darlene has got a, a blinking red light on his helmet when he skates around the ice. That's what people need to understand. He is he is a target of every single team that he plays against. You will have forwards. You will have defense that are going to take runs at him. You're going to have forwards and defense that are going to try and ruffle his feathers after the whistle. Because if you can take Rasmus Dahlin off the ice, then he can't do what he wants to do on the ice. So you want to ruffle his feathers. You have a chance to hit him. You're going to, you're going to take the opportunity because he's one of the best, uh, one of the best young defensemen out there. But yes, I saw the hit, you know, uh, McKenzie came in and absolutely tried to hit him. But the problem is Rasmus Dahlin's a slinky man. I mean, this guy is shifty as shifty can be. He put on the brakes and it was like a live train hitting the boards. He hit the board so hard. I mean, like you said, you can hurt yourself that way, but, uh, yeah, I mean Rasmus Dahlin, he he he's stuck on that? a diamond. Yeah, I've you ever done that where you've got to hit a guy near the bench and he and you miss him and and you end up going kind of like bending over the bench a little bit? How hard? Yeah. Like you hit your knees, it, your it hips, hurts. your toes, like you hammer the toe caps against the boards. Like it's it's not. That's what I don't miss about hockey. Like you, it doesn't matter if you play three minutes a game or thirty minutes a game. You get like chopped in the hand and practice just by accident. Now you got a finger that hurts for like weeks. You, you know, it's like you get a hip pointer from getting hit into the boards and now you got a hip that hurts for a month, but it's not enough to keep you out of practice or out of games. You know, you fall. I took a slap shot. I remember I took a slap shot. I, w- I went down on my knee and I blocked. You remember Dan Folk? Dan Folk, six foot six defenseman. He was a first round pick. 
anyway, he was playing in Pittsburgh and I went down and blocked a shot, which I didn't really like to do. <laughs> I hated blocking shots because I didn't wear much pads. I didn't wear many pads in my pants or anything. I like, I had no shoulder pads on basically. I had like, I had yeah, like suspenders. You had, you had, with like Gordy, you had Gordy Howe shoulder, uh, <laughs> shoulder pads. And- I had like no shoulder pads on. I had elbow pads. I had like football pants on that had pads in the front and that was it. And nothing really on the hips. And then I, I, you know, I had my shin pads and I went down and I cut that, that piece of foam that comes up over your knee. And I would cut that off because it always got caught on the pants. Right. So I went down and blocked a shot and he hit me right above the kneecap. Yeah. And I swear to God, I had a bruise on my thigh, the size of a grapefruit for about two months till it went away. Oh, and listen, it's like all I mean, those little, they're just the little things. That's what I don't miss. I wake up now and I'm like, yeah, certain parts of my body might hurt, but not, yeah. not listen, I would block a shot. I would block a shot. It was, it was it literally, I mean, it's part of the job description. If you don't block a shot, you're, you're not going to be playing. Okay. But as much as I block shots and, uh, I did it maybe more than the normal defenseman, I think of players like Jay McKee, you know, guys like I played with this guy named um, Igor uh, Ulanov. This guy had four to five ice bags on his body every single game after he was eating pucks he would he would go down on one knee which i think is the stupidest play in the history of hockey okay because you're opening areas which you do not have a lot of padding and you're gonna you're gonna put one leg down and and make your body big on one knee are you crazy but these guys do it. These guys are blocking shots like you wouldn't believe, and they're eating pucks, and I just don't understand how more guys do not get injured, especially with how, how hard players are shooting the puck nowadays. How, how about the night Matias Samuelson went down late in the game to block a shot, turned his back, and took a clapper right in the back? Yeah, in the ribs. Right, right in the Like, oh, my I'm thinking God. to myself, you, like, what are you doing? You want to break your, break your ribs? Like, but listen, I mean, personally, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some at you. And I've said this before. I said it, I said it years and years ago in an interview, I think, and I saw this somewhere else. So it's not like this is my idea. I think shot blocking should be taken out of the game. And and when I say that, stop, stop for a sec. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. So dumb. When I say that, I mean, you can't leave your feet. If you're standing up and you get your legs in the way or a stick in the way, or it happens to hit you in the belly or whatever. I mean, if, if you're getting hit higher than that, then it's a deflection or, or, or a wild shot. But like, I, I just, I think you can't lie down. You can't go down to one knee well, or who, two who knees. Lies to block down? Shot. Do you remember back, back 20 years ago, you know, you had these players that are sliding out I in know. front of, of, of shots. I can still remember being in Montreal. Okay. One night we were playing the Philadelphia Flyers and we're on a, we're on a penalty kill and, and, and a guy named Trent McCleary. Remember Trent McCleary? Yeah. I remember this right incident. hand. Yeah. Right-handed, uh, right-handed uh, winger. Um, he's on the power play and he goes sliding out. And Chris Terrian, who's a six foot five, 235 pound defenseman, rips a one timer 
and hits Trent McCleary right in the throat. Yeah, I remember this. So he goes down and I, the whistle blows. I'm the first one to skate to him. And I look at Trent and he's holding his throat. And I, the sound coming out of his mouth was like insane. Okay. And I kept on telling him, just stay down, stay down. There's trainers that are coming on the ice. He, he jumps up. His face was in absolute sheer panic. He starts sprinting across the ice. He gets to the doors at the Montreal Canadian bench and he passes out. The trainers pick him up. They carry him through the hallway, down the hallway where the Sabres, uh, the, the Montreal Canadians are. They see the doctor who stands, Dr. Mulder, who's right behind the bench. Gets out, comes down the hallway. He looks at him and he says, we do not have time for the ambulance. You've got to carry him and get him into a car and we're going to take him straight to the hospital. We can't even wait for the paramedics. They get him in the car. They drive him up and they do one of those, you know, like almost like, uh, I don't even know how you call it. Like you cut the trachea or whatever. Uh, a tracheotomy, a emergency tracheotomy. They put, they did on him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think on the way to the hospital. I thought that's what I heard. I, I thought that's what happened. I thought they did it before they cut like the right here, just below the Adam's apple and they put Imagine it like a that, straw. Like, here, I'm thinking so they to myself, I wonder whose car it was. Blood all over the back seat and just, Ugh. But anyway, he. Dr. Could you Mulder, imagine that if it was your car and you're like, you're not doing that in my car? Guys <laughs> <laughs> oh dying in the back seat, and you're like, I'm not doing that in my car. Get get him out, take him out, do it on the sidewalk, then bring him back in. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you know, listen, I, uh, he, uh, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to reach out to him. We got to have him come on the pod and tell that story and tell and tell how it was after. Okay. Obviously it was somewhat of a career ending, you know, injury. And, and, you know, what did that do for, you know, him moving forward in, in life and uh, you know, see, uh, see how he's making out because uh, you know, what a great, uh, what a great teammate. It was a great warrior. This guy would do anything for, for the team to win hockey games, but what a scary situation. I'll never, ever forget his eyes when he, uh, when he jumped up and started skating to the bench. Cause he knew, he knew there was something seriously wrong. Okay. So, so back to the, back to the question that are the point that I was making is I, I just think that the reason why I say that number one about the shot blocking, number one is, um, health, right. It, preventing injury. Okay. Like it, to any extent, I don't care if it's three, four, eight guys a year that go down to injuries from going down and blocking shots. Why even risk it? And then on top of it, I think you can create more scoring chances from it. I really do. I mean, those pucks that don't get through because they're blocked when you lie down, maybe now they get through. Maybe what they're do you mean lie down, like go down on one knee, go down on one knee. I mean, yeah, you're right. I don't see many guys lying down anymore. No one, it's, no one, no slides one, anymore. no one slides anymore. Unless it's like, 
Stanley Cup game seven and you're you're trying to do everything you can to prevent a shot. I'll but, take a I'll take a puck to the teeth. No question about it. So I mean maybe the theory's a little bit whacked and out there, but I mean I just sit and I think I think there's more potential offense to come from not allowing players to go down and block shots. But do we need shot more lead? offense right now? Did you not see the statistics on can the always game use right more now? offense? You can always no, use more can. offense. Sure you can. Oh man, come on. I mean, the, the statistics offensively, the goals that are being scored in the NHL right now with the, with the dynamic play of these younger players, it is, it's through the roof. Every like the Stanley two times Stanley cup finals has six goals scored against them. Eight goals scored in the game. Like it's, it's mind boggling what's going on in the game right now. The amount of goals that are being scored, the talent level of these players are, are completely on a different stratosphere. And the game, the game has, um, I think the game at this point in time, has never been better in the history of the game than this time right now. Because I actually, I was frustrated with the game because I think that there's an element to the game where you still need to have hatred for other teams. You can still have the rivalries with other teams. Okay. You can still have the physicality and some nastiness to the games, but that is a small percentage of the game. We're having the ability to watch these younger players, the McDavid's, Dreisaitl's, Huberto's, Johnny Goudreau's on absolute fire, 95 points, not a big deal. Austin Matthews, Kirill uh, Kaprizov. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, Marner, Kadri. Like, I mean, you just go on and on and on. The bread man. So maybe going back to Elliot's point yesterday when he said how many like elite goalies are there, maybe it's there are more elite scorers and shooters now than there are than there are elite goalies. Maybe the goalies are really good. Maybe the shooters are just better these days. I mean the backup that even possible? in today's game are are incredible. The what? The backup goaltenders in today's game are incredible. You know, um but I, I agree with Elliot. You know, there used to be a time where there was such elite goaltendings that that the goaltenders could actually win you games. Did the game favor goalies back then? Maybe more than it more than it does now. Well, there's a lot more clutching and grabbing and hooking and shot blocking and smothering smothering of the game. You had teams that knew that they were not a real good hockey team. So what did they do? They played literally the New Jersey Devils trap. They would trap, 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 play defensive, defensive, defensive hockey. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're boring the fans to death. Well, go and look at, go and look at, you know, that's not the case anymore in, in today's generation of teams. You go look at the bottom teams in the league. You think Arizona right now is playing a trap formation? I mean, they're beating teams at 7-4. Do you think Seattle's sitting back playing defensive hockey or Philadelphia, you know, New Jersey Devils, Chicago Blackhawks, Ottawa? They're not playing defensive hockey. They have young guys that are learning the game and they're scoring a lot of goals. Like you have Norris and on Ottawa that just, what does he have, 32 goals? 32 goals. 
Yeah, he was in the trade uh, for uh, Eric Carlson. Wonder how they're feeling about that trade now. They picked up a first rounder, second rounder, and like Chris Tierney, who's a great player, sitting there laughing. But you look at the teams that are near the bottom, Buffalo Sabres. You think Buffalo's sitting back playing defense first? No, they're letting their young guns go. They're letting these guys play the game properly. Like you've heard Don Granado basically say that we need to let these young guys go. We, we need to give them confidence to do what they can do with the puck because they're so talented. Right. But understand responsibilities defensively, but if you need to take some chances, do it because that's the, that's the game now. Well, you brought up the Sabres. You want to get into the Levi stuff now, or you want to talk about those young guys that are lighting the lamp and they play tonight. They have the Hurricanes in town. It's a major, major test for them, you know, with how well they've been playing. But, yeah, so yesterday, news is official. Lance Lysowski confirming the reports that Devin Levi is going to go back to Northeastern for another year. And I think that's a great move. You know, a lot of people are upset about I I keep referring to people, but, I mean, you got to kind of – form an opinion off of what everyone else is saying too. I mean, you, you like to kind of, you know, feel out the room, so to speak. Right. So you, you, you see a report, then you go and you read some of the comments and, you know, and, and there are people that are unhappy with this decision. They think it's stupid or they don't understand it. Well, look, you sign him now. He can't go to the American league. Okay. So are you going to bring him to Buffalo? Are you going to 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 burn a year of his entry level deal uh, to sign Why him now? Why can't he go to the American League? Uh, there's a rule against that. He could he could he could if they agree to a contract and then he signs like a 25 game PTO in the minors. But I don't even know if that's worth it because now you're going to go and disrupt any anything that's going on in Rochester. Um, so I mean, I just sit and I think you know, and the, the, like he had. He didn't play much last year. He played this year. Last year was a COVID year and he had injuries. We had someone tweet to tweet the show and basically, um, you know, sum it up for us because we tweeted out, say we, cause we're a team, right? But we tweeted out, um, you know, after hearing about that, you know, I said, why wouldn't he? If true, this is the right move. And a lot of people jumped on that. And they're like, why do you think it's the right move? And then someone named Dan Lombardo tweeted us and said, one year, junior A, one COVID year playing what? Six games at world juniors while injured and missing all NCAA season because of an injury. Uh, One NCAA year interrupted by Olympics for a month. Tough loss in the NCAA tournament. Absolute right move going back. 100% 100% agree. If I was Kevin Adams, I would not be discussing the, 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 the conversation that I would be having with this Don, uh, young Devin Levi would not be to say, we would like to sign you. We would like to get you out of school. That would not be my focus. I do not think that there is any rush for this young man. He's 20 years old. Goaltenders are not like forwards. They're not like defensemen. They need a little bit more time to season and continue to jump the levels. Okay. Um, And it's very odd that you would have a young 
goaltenders step into the National Hockey League and immediately have success. Um, you know, I, 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 I look to, you know, Spencer Knight, who is a 10th overall draft pick to the Florida Panthers. I think he's in a little bit of a different situation than a Levi. And what I mean by that is he's a very young player, Spencer Knight, but he's also playing on arguably the top one or two or three teams in the National Hockey League. He is, he is protected and surrounded by a group of players that are going to protect his game at his, at his youthful age. Devin Levi, to me, I agree. Two years ago, he was playing in the CCHL. You know, he's playing in, he's playing, uh, in a junior league. Tier two, junior A. Tier two, junior A. Um, basically in the 2019-20 season, Carlton Place. I mean, there's no rush for this young man. He absolutely, the right move, as much as we would love to see this young man come in and play for the Sabres organization, whether it's in the minors in Rochester or here in, 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 in Buffalo, you cannot rush these guys. You cannot rush them. Devin Levi has had one of the greatest goaltending performances um, in, in a year at Northeastern University in a very, very long time. But this young man needs to just take a step back, understand how great of a season he's had, needs to get back to work, um, train harder, do what he has to do, enjoy that college life too. I mean, these guys aren't, you know, uh, they're, they're young men. They're young men. You want them to experience life in a proper way. The professional side of things, the professional game will sneak up on you very quickly. And when it's time, Devin Levi is going to be ready to take that opportunity. Heather Angle, who uh, is a Buffalo Sabres correspondent with NHL.com, also just uh, tweeting out literally just a minute ago. Um, Kevin Adams did confirm that Devin Levi will be going back to school next year. He said the team supports the decision, noted that the player needs to feel mentally ready to make the jump. Adams will chat with Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo later this week at the frozen four. So those are another two players that, that need to get signed before they can go back to college for another year and then become UFAs next August. So it's an interesting time of year. I mean, Ryan Johnson, how many times every year did we throw him into a trade? And I guess he's just unbelievable. 17 trades a year that we've traded been Ryan at Johnson. least he's been traded and, 10 to, and not disrespectfully because we don't want no. him, but because he's, 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 he's a, uh, he's a trade. He's a, he's a big trade chip. He's, he's a former first round draft pick. He's he collateral in deals. Yeah. He's, he's basically someone that can, can, can um, put you over, over the top on a big deal. Um, but listen, he had a fantastic year. Fantastic year, you know, looking to maybe make the jump to, to pro hockey. Um, you know, Eric Partillo had an incredible year with, uh, with Michigan. He's a big, he's a big, big goaltender that uh, is really interesting. Um, and I would think that they're really looking to add Portillo for next year. Eric Partillo is going to be 22 years old in September. Okay. 
six foot six, 225 pounds, and he had a fantastic year um, with the University of Mission. I would, I would really think that you're going to see Eric Portillo um, come come to Rochester next year and and play a lot of games in the minors. As he should. But what do you think? You think uh, you, like is Ukapeka Lucan in here for sure next year? And I asked that because, or are those going to be, is that going to be your goaltending duo in Raj next year? No, I don't. I think that, uh, you know, and this is, I mean, this is just a, this is just my opinion and, and not knowing really any deep down information about boat goaltenders and in, in the future here in Buffalo. But Uka Pekalukanen has been a guy um, for many, many years that Buffalo sees as, as one of their future tenders. He, he himself had a fantastic last year with the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL and he was the MVP of the league. Okay. You know, got into some, some injury troubles. Okay. Took care of that. Didn't play very much the next year. Um, he's had a chance to play some games. He's had a chance to get to uh, play some games in the minors, get his game, um, to a level where I think he's feeling comfortable about things moving forward. I would, I would strongly believe that Uka Pekalukanen is going to be one of the goaltenders because when he got called up and he played for the Buffalo Sabres, and this was near the first part of the year, the Sabres were not the same team as what they are right now. Okay. Um, this team is, is, is playing much, much, much better hockey. And I think Uka Pekalukanen, when he played, played some solid games, solid games. He, I he's think he's still it, a very young guy. He's 23 years old. Okay. He just turned 23. He's a very, very young goaltender, but he needs, he needs to be in the, in the NHL next year. Needs. No. Needs. Needs is, I don't know, man. That's a, I guess he's, it's, it's interesting. He's because you're, you're going to, he's 23 now. He's 23. He's finishing his entry level deal, which means he'll have to be put on waivers next year. If they like when they sign him and if they decide to send him down, doesn't he have to clear waivers? They won't send him down. He's, he's going to be put in a situation. Who's your your goaltending duo here next year? Um, if I, if I truly had a choice, I would be interested in bringing back Anderson because you're, you're bringing someone in not only capable of being a one, a one B with, with the other goaltender, Craig Anderson is going to know and understand that he is going to be a tutor. He's the, the ability to help guide a young goaltender through his ups and downs is going to be big for Craig Anderson to be a part of that. I, you know, with what I watched, like, come on, we're all watching the same thing. Craig Anderson looks like he's 25 right now. So are we just, are we we just, and again, just a question. I don't want to get my head ripped off here. Are we done with Malcolm Subban? He's a UFA after this year. Are you, is he, is he done? Was he just a stopgap? Hopefully, like, was he a guy 100%. when they needed goalies or? 
hundred percent for, uh, you know, listen, I, I don't know the inner workings of, of what's going on behind the scenes. So I can't really say, um, you know, what is a great goaltender and what is not a great goaltender. I think Malcolm Subban was something that he got brought in at the time when, you know, it was a disaster for the, for the Buffalo Sabres. They had multiple gold goalies that were hurt and injured and on long-term IR. And, and it was a, it was, it was a, a tough situation. Malcolm Subban comes in, you know, and, and played a few games that uh, uh, raised some eyebrows, played, play quite quite well that being said he got injured he's been out i don't so basically it, it all, it all comes down to anderson it really all comes down to craig anderson and whether or not he wants to come back or not and i'll then tell you, you this to, though would would malcolm Subay be someone that the buffalo sabers would like to have in rochester maybe with an eric portillo absolutely absolutely He's got a great attitude. He's a really solid goaltender. He can help Eric Partello in the minors. That that could be an option. Maybe maybe that is an option. So let's say Craig Anderson doesn't come back. Okay. Could you see UPL here and P and Malcolm Subban um, the backup? And there's a reason why I'm trying to tie Malcolm Subban to this team. Okay. And I just don't want to skip conversations yet, but you know, we keep talking about um, finding Owen power, his future D partner. And I just wonder, I wonder, and do you think PK Subban could be a good fit for that? He's a right-hand shot plays with some energy. Um, He would bring a ton ton of publicity to your locker room and to your team, you know, from the standpoint of popularity, he's a very popular player. Some people love him. A lot of people love him. Some people hate him. I happen to love him. So I just sit and I think, you know, like he kind of is that new wave player who's very out there on social media. He's active in the community. Um, and He's still got some game left. Who'd he go after the other night? He just jumped somebody. He just I'm he super just, confused with the, what the hell just happened here. What? Were you are you talking about PK Subban right now? I I, <laughs> I am because I'm because what I don't think this P- happened. P- we we're talking about frigging goaltending for the last 15 minutes. And now because I'm trying to tie because I'm trying to tie PK Subban to Buffalo because I don't think if his brother's not here and he wants to play another year I don't see him coming to Buffalo is what I'm saying, but I think if his brother were here maybe that would be like a little bit of incentive for him to come and play in Buffalo. There's no That's incentive. all. I'm his brother's not incentive for PK Subban to come here to Buffalo. That's just my opinion. Um, but to answer your question about Malcolm Subban first, I I can't answer that question. I really can't. I I would be you know talking out of turn if I were to be saying that Malcolm Subban could be a proper backup for Anuka Pekalukinen. You know, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is Malcolm Subban was in the minors this year, so he c- clearly could not make the NHL roster on the team that he was at. I don't quite see Malcolm Subay maybe as that guy because I, I believe that Uka Pekalukin will will most likely be one of the goaltenders next year, okay? Which with what I would see. The other goaltender needs to be a guy that is a veteran goaltender, okay, that can really help 
Ukapekalukanen, calm his game, understand how to find, you know, his game. And then what it's almost like passing the torch. If Ukapekalukanen plays exceptionally well and gains that confidence, you would like to see Ukapekalukanen start to get a few more games you know, and see if he can continue to move in the right direction to be a number one in the future. Okay. But you need to have a number one in order for that to evolve. I think you're not just going to bring in Uka Pekalukanen and have him as a number one goaltender and have Malcolm Subban come back him up. Why well, are you bringing, not- I, I, I don't know. I, I'm confused. So UPL is not coming here to be your starter next year. Hell no. Okay, good. Glad, glad we wrapped that up. You could have asked me that 15 minutes ago. I just feel like he this guy's too injury prone. Well, listen, I mean, goaltenders get hurt. Players get hurt. Everybody's getting hurt. It, Every it year? It, it, it happens. It happens. Players are hurt all the time. Some players play through it, you know, this, that, and the other. Ukapek Lukanen, you know, listen, he's had, he's had a few uh, few tough situations that he's he's dealing with some injuries. I believe that they're going to give him a shot because they have Devin Levi, who's going to go back to college, which is the right move. They're going to hopefully, I think, really hopefully get Eric Portillo because Eric Portillo, if he goes to the minors next year at age 22 and continues to have a really good year in the minors, and then all of a sudden the next year, who knows? Maybe Eric, maybe they look at Ukapekalukan and saying, we like this Eric Portillo over Ukapekalukan, and this could be our future. And then all of a sudden things, get you know changed and you're you're rolling the dice again on, on who's your guy. I believe Ukapekalukanen will be in a Sabres lineup next year. Will he be the starter? No, I don't think he's going to be the starter. He'll probably be a 1B. He'll he's going to get his games. He's going to work his way in and earn what he's going to get. And I'll say it again, he's going to earn what he's going to get moving forward. But you need an you need a 1A to be there. And you know, Craig Anderson is a 1A. He's 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 a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League. I just wonder if he'll come back. I mean I, I guess in listening to what everything you're saying, if Craig Anderson doesn't come back, the goaltending situation here isn't any better than it is this year unless they do something in the off season. Yeah. But well, you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to find a one. A. What about Jordan Bennington? Would you make a trade for Jordan Bennington? Um, you know, listen, I mean, Craig Anderson right now is the greatest goaltender on the planet because he's making 750 grand guy should be making five schmilly with the way that he's playing in nets. That being said, he's making seven fifty. Craig Bennington is making how much? Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington's making uh, how Craig much? Craig might be his father. I think he's making yeah, six million. Uh, yeah, he's making six like million. six six million dollars. I mean, Ooh, he's got a long contract. I didn't realize his contract, contract was that long. Yeah. You want guys on short term deals? You want guys on short term deals? Yeah, that's too long of a contract. And, and I, the goaltending was... market, the goaltending market at times um, is sparse, and at other time it's fruitful. And I think uh, I think the Sabers will have an opportunity to pick up a goaltender that is uh, more than capable of 
of, of being in a position that is going to hold that spot for maybe a year or so. Bennington is on year one of that six year, six million per contract. Oh Jordan my Bennington God. was the fifth. And I'll say it again, the fifth goaltender in the organization at the time. Multiple injuries happened. He gets his opportunity with the St. Louis Blues a couple years ago. And that team was in last place and they damn near won every bloody game the rest of the year. And the St. Louis Blues rode the hottest goaltender in a very, very long time that no one, nobody knew about. He was a confident, cocky young man that took that team to the Stanley Cup play into the Stanley Cup playoffs and won the ultimate prize. And a lot of it had to do with how well he played. Here's the thing. You know, he had a he had a great season to back up his his Stanley Cup winning season. But I mean it's it's incredibly tough as a goaltender um to to be super consistent in the game. And uh Jordan Bennington right now is in a situation where he, he is a number one, but he's also being pushed by a younger guy that's playing exceptionally well. Well, he's not much younger. He's only he's he's just a year younger. He's twenty seven, no. this guy who so well it's still it's still pretty young. Yeah. So anyway. My ADD got the better of me in the middle yeah, of this goaltending usually. conversation. What do you think of my thought of PK Subban for defense partner for Owen Power? Because you said earlier in the show that you're like, you can't, you know, the Sabres, you know, don't tell me the D partner is going to be this guy or that guy or that guy. Okay. I brought you're- this, I brought him up, you know, like two months back. Um, and I said that I, I, he would be someone that would be interesting. I'm going to take it back. And, and, and this is the reason why. This is no disrespect to P.K. Subank. I think he's a really uh, nice defenseman in this game. He's, you know, he's, he's made a lot of money. So he, it's not going to be where he goes next is not going to be about the money. Okay. Um, I just think with, with P.K., you're really bringing in a larger than life person. And, and right now I find with, with the Sabres is there is no, there is no superstar. There's no one player that's bigger than the other. Um, They all seem to be that, you know, all for one and one for all attitude. They're so tight. They look tight. I'm, you just watch body language. I, I watch so much more than just watching the game. I love to watch the players interact on the bench after games, after periods, you know, and you kind of get a very tiny, tiny aspect of how tight this team. And it seems like they love to be around each other. It's infectious when that happens and there's no superstars. There's no, there's no superstars. And I, I just find PK Subban has a really, really big personality. He's very generous. He's done a lot of great things off the ice, but I just find his personality um, for, for the Sabres is maybe not quite the player that they need. Do you understand what I mean by that? I, I no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I uh, it makes a lot of sense what what you're saying. I just, 
you know, I, I don't have a problem with any of that. You know, I, I, I think this young team that they have would really enjoy that. Um, you know, because he is, he's a larger than life figure when it comes to comes to hockey. I know he's, he's, his skills are going the other way and his career is going the other way. But I mean, he has gone and made himself into one of the most well-known hockey players in the world, you know, because of, because of his involvement in social media, uh, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff, you know, he gets, he gets, you know, ESPN. I mean, he, he did that night on ESPN. The guy was, he was better than anybody else in the whole broadcasting industry, you know, when it comes to analyzing sports, he was absolutely incredible. You remember, you, you remember the, the text I sent you. I was absolutely blown away. He is captivating when he speaks because he is, he's very emotional. He's very uh, charismatic and he's, he's, he shows his emotions through his body language and everything. He was incredible in what he did. He will, the minute the, the minute that he retires from the game of hockey, he will immediately be picked up by one of the big market, uh, big, um, you know, networks for sure. Network networks, right? Because he's, he's, he's so good. He is such, such a great speaker. But for me, PK Subban is, is not the guy. Okay. Um, I'll keep shopping. I'll keep shopping. Um, let's talk Sabres. They play tonight. I mean, we're talking Sabres, but let's talk about their schedule coming up. They play Carolina tonight. In Carolina Friday, in Florida Saturday, in Tampa Monday, in Toronto Tuesday. Toronto is going to have they have a they have a, a target on their back to Toronto. In my opinion, in my opinion, I feel like Toronto really has a bone to pick with uh, Buffalo. Then you have St. Louis at home, Philly, Philly, New Jersey, the Island, Boston, and Chicago. You do not have an easy finish to the season here. The next week is the next week is like is well I'd say the next 10, 10 days, the next one, two, three, four, five, six games are very, very tough task. Yeah. Let me ask this question. And you played on on your um your two thousand five and 2006-7 season. These were two teams that uh, were monsters in, in Montreal, They or in, in Buffalo. Um, they, you had elite players, okay? You had great leadership. You had everything. So my question to you is this. When you lost a game, your veteran group would get everybody in the room Okay, after a loss, one loss. And they walk into the room, they'd sit down, calm, cool, and collected. And what would come out of their mouth after that loss? We do not lose two in a row. There you go. Didn't even have to tell you. We do not lose two in a row. The elite teams in the league live by this do you understand the elite no. organization our saying back then was refuse to, to lose, lose two two okay there you go see i've i i i know this carolina carolina one of the top teams in the league i think they're sitting third right now in the national hockey league lost their last game 3-1 to minnesota where's their next game Bufsky. Buffalo Sabres. 
What are they saying in that locker room? What is Rod the Bod Brendamore, the coach of that team, saying to each and every one of those players? If we're a serious cup contender, we're not losing this we're game. We're not losing two in a row. We do not lose two in a row. This game here is, uh, I mean, holy jumping, man. If uh, you need to get your spidey senses going, Don Granato's got his work cut out for him because uh, this is a top team in the league that they're playing. They've been rolling all year, and they're coming in after losing a big one to Minnesota. They got a couple days in between games, and now they're now they're in Buffalo. You better be ready for this one, gentlemen, because this could get ugly because they are going to be playing. They are going to be playing. This is going to be big boy hockey. And uh, they, they've, they've got a tough schedule. Sabres have a tough schedule ahead of them. They're going to be tested to the fullest. You look, at, you look at Florida Panthers, okay? Florida Panthers, they came in here a month ago and spanked them, what, five, six, nothing? It was, it was unbelievable. Florida Panthers came into Buffalo couple days ago, I'm going to tell you right now, you got to be proud to be a Sabres fan because they battled. They lost 5-3, but they battled. They were right there. They never quit. They never stopped. And, uh, you know, Sabres are again in, a, in deep, in deep against the top, top team in the league that lost their last game. And this is, they're going to be coming out hard. So I cannot wait to see what what the Sabres do, because I'm going to tell you, the first 10, 10 minutes of this game are critical for the Buffalo Sabres because they've started slow in some, in some of their games uh, as of late. Okay? They cannot afford to come out flat in the game against the, the Carolina Hurricanes. Are we going to see their backup or are we going to see Fred? I like a lot of teams, a lot of teams throw their backups to yeah. Buffalo, right? I should, I should check that stat, but it seems that way. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Fred Anderson played against Minnesota, which they lost on Saturday, but now you have three games in between. I would think that uh, Fred Anderson would play again tonight. I would think that the backup would be playing in Carolina against the Sabres on Thursday and Fred Anderson will play the next night against the Islanders. So I would, I would expect to see Fred Anderson tonight. They're they're Listen, they are chasing a president's trophy. Okay. That's for the, the number one team in the, in the national hockey league point wise. They're right there. Things. You already have one. I have one. We won one here in Buffalo. Okay. Do you win a Stanley cup with that? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I'm just saying I know what the trophy is. That's all I was saying. I have one. No, you, you wanted to rub it in my face is what you wanted to do. <laughs> I, just... <laughs> I didn't want to rub it in your face. I was just like, you know, you don't have to explain to me what the president's trophy is. Thanks. I know what the president's trophy is. Do you think they care about the president's trophy? Yes. We did. We did. That year, we took pride in that. That was something that I think a lot of guys – we're saying, man, that would be pretty cool to do that. And then you own home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. Some people don't care about that. Some people do. Why do you care about that? Home There's ice advantage. Reasons. That's one. Home ice advantage. That's one. The notoriety 
as being the number one team in the National Hockey League, something that has happened over many, many months and, and over an 82-game schedule. But what's another thing? No bonus. The bone ass. I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of those guys are sitting there going, you know what, 50 G's in my pocket, you know, going into the summer, I might be able to buy some jet skis. Like, you know, as well as I do, these guys are sitting there fighting, uh, you know, for home ice advantage, the notoriety of being the number one team, but they're Extra also 20 or 25,000 bucks. Yeah. I mean, in it's a lot. It's a lot of money that's going to be thrown at these guys, whoever wins that, uh, that uh, president's trophy. But anyway, I can't wait to watch the game tonight. The Sabres have played uh they've played it they've played the best hockey I've seen them play in the last couple months. Um it's been more exciting. More exciting hockey and there's been um some I, I had a chance to talk to Matty Ellis. Saw the bloody unicorn at the rink the other night. Oh yeah, Mr. Bang on himself. Mr. Bang on in the flesh. In the flesh. The guy's like a unicorn. You don't see him anymore, eh? He's just like literally balls deep and watching video. And making <laughs> We young used guys to better. see him all the time. Oh, yeah. I used to. Listen, I used to call him. He'd pick up right away. I, like right away. Call used him to Matty get Ellis. occasional text messages from him. He used to send me screenshots of his workout tunes. Now? Not, not anymore. Unicorn. Donnie has this guy in the trenches. He's not allowed out. He's barely seen the light for, I don't know how long, but I saw him at the rink the other day. And it's like, I literally, I wanted to walk in and hug him. And then I realized I couldn't get my arms around him because he's built like an absolute, like, Oh my God, he looks better shape now than when he was playing, which is ridiculous. But anyway, look forward to, uh, to those Sabres to keep it going, keep the fight going. Like what I see. It'll be interesting. I know a lot of people are excited right now. I mean, and I, I look, I'm apprehensive. I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm, I'm definitely not being negative. I love the way they're playing. It's, it's an exciting brand of hockey. I just, you know, it's so far away and I don't like to look that far down the road, but I guess that's a luxury that we have because we don't play anymore. And I just think, you know, Don Granato said something in his post game press conference the other day, you know, he said, uh, um, I think, I think, who was it that said to them? I think RJ said the other night that, uh, you know, this is a playoff team next year. And, and look, they could be. They absolutely could be. But at the same time, you know, Don Granato says, you know, that's a long way away, which I completely agree. And there's a lot that has to be done with this team between now and, and training camp next year to solidify some voids some gaps uh you know a little bit more identity and then you think about it man the start of the year is so crucial these games mean a lot because you can build momentum and morale and confidence and excitement for next year but i'm gonna add like i I just i just i'm you know like it's just i don't know I, i but i will say this this reminds me a lot of 2003 2004 I know we had the lockout in between the next year, but we could sense, you know, between Chris and Danny and we had so many good young players coming up and, and goaltending. And, you know, we had all these, all these pieces that were starting to come together at the right time. There were a few other moves made. They brought in Teppo, they brought in Tony Ludman, uh, brought in Mike Greer, you know, you brought in some key pieces and next thing you know, 
were in the conference finals. You know what I mean? So it, it, it definitely wouldn't be overnight, but it would be, it's been a nice steady progression from the end of last year to this year. And then, you know, finishing off strong this year, heading into next year. I don't even want to talk about next year, but, but a lot of people already are, you know, because it, it makes you wonder where's this team going to go from here next season, you know? So, yep. Good stuff. There was something else I wanted to mention to you. It was a player that I want to bring in next year, but I'll talk to you about that another day. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.